The following podcast is a production of City View Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. The following program is not ashamed of the gospel and is about to tell you the truth. I was born and raised in Colombia. My dad had become a very angry man, a scary man, very dysfunctional environment. I was forbidden to laugh in my house. As a kid, I would see what looked like the perfect life. What I experienced with my friends when I was at their houses and their places was what I interpreted as a good life. And then I had to come back home. Help me, sovereign Lord. Out of the goodness of your love, deliver me. For I am poor and needy, and my heart is wounded within me. Ooh, the wounded heart. Do you ever get in those situations where you feel eight years old inside? You know, it might be when the big boss calls you into his office and reams you out and, you know, you just, you just feel young, right? Or it might be when your wife wants to have a conversation, right? Sweetheart, we need to talk. It might be when you get to the end of the month and there isn't enough money to get to the end of the month, right? Those situations where you just feel young. Group of friends, right, are going down to play some hoops and they invite you and something in you freezes. I feel exposed. I don't know. Something feels young inside of us. I had a friend who was a really remarkable guy. He was a pro rodeo bull rider. And on top of that, in his free time, he raced motorcycles on asphalt tracks at ridiculous speeds. This guy was huge and this guy was impressive. And yet, like David's Psalms, he would admit to you in, in private moments that he felt young inside. He felt like a boy in his life. You see, every man has a story, and our story is the journey of our heart through this world, and the things that we learned about ourselves, the things we learned about love and validation. Every man has a story, and in that story, what we're going to discover is the wounds that we have taken. Life matters and the issues in life matter because they affect how we live our lives. In this podcast, Pastor Walt McFadden thinks out loud about truth and discerns how it is being applied to everyday life. Thinking Out Loud podcast is a production of City View Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Pastor Walt McFadden, we're at it again. You're thinking out loud. And we're going to think out loud as we have done in the previous two episodes on the woundedness of a man or the wounds in a man's life. Now, again, let's just recap for just a few minutes so our audience can get caught up in where we have been. But what made you aware that a man or men have wounds in their hearts? Was it a self-revelation first, or did you see that in other men? I saw it in other men. I had an interesting relationship with my father. My father was very loving, and he would always tell us that he loved us. But the thing that bothered us was his passivity toward our mother and her physical abuse of my siblings. 
that's a story for another day. But I noticed men would want to meet, they would want sometimes even a position or a title, they'd want a job, they'd want to fit, but they could never fit. Mm. They were always a square peg in a round hole. And the relationships is still ongoing in my life. I haven't figured out the key to unlock because I think it's on their side dealing with the wound in their life. And we go through discipline in church once in a blue moon. It's pretty rare. And really, that's kind of a a good example of how men deal with their woundedness. Some men receive it and some men don't receive it. And I think it has a relation to that father wound. God created the family unit. That is his plan. And when you have the head missing and the authority is missing, something is missing in a man's life. He hasn't learned to receive correction, submit to authority. And so I would try to develop these relationships with these men who would always start out saying, well, you're a great guy and I want to get to know you. And it would end badly when it would come to some point of not even correction, but maybe I didn't pay attention or maybe I chose another person over them or I didn't greet them when I saw them on Sunday. Something is within them. They, they've got this wound and this inability to connect with other men, not just father figures, but they don't have close relationships. And we're seeing this more and more in our society, coming out of COVID especially, People just do not connect. They're more isolated than ever. And so we have this opportunity to sit and fester in our wound. Well, that's a good explanation for the father wound. And we'll, we'll unpack that more as we go along in the series. But the other thing you just mentioned was relationships. Young men don't have relationships. In fact, more than one in four or 28% men under the age of 30 reported having no close social connections. Why is that, Pastor Walt? Well, the father is the one that the son watches and observes and learns how to develop that relationship. We don't have a place for young men. And I'm sure I've mentioned this in previous episodes of the podcast. The myth is that women are not doing well. Really, nobody's doing well, but men are doing far worse than women. And they don't have that man in their life to show them how to develop relationships with others. There's no point of observation. He just figures it on his own. And usually that comes through social media, through this just quick impersonal touch through a computer screen or, or a phone. And then look at what happens out on the programs. You know, the man's goal in television, in media, is to conquer the woman. And that's all the man ever knows. He doesn't know how to love the woman, care for her, and develop a relationship with her or anybody else. It's very interesting. I was raised fatherless in my home. I was raised by a single mother. And I know that I have a father wound in my heart. So that's why it's kind of interesting that you're in this series on the podcast. But what I did, instead of looking for a man mentor, I made my friends my dad. So I pleased them like I would a father, and they weren't the right people. You know, They led me down the wrong path, but that was my father. Oh, yeah, I, I can resonate with what you're saying. I have conversations with fathers all the time 
who talk about the fact that their son, and maybe I did this a little bit, and it is part of being a teenager, their son never talks to them, mm-hmm. never interacts with them, but the minute the friends call, they just come alive. That's part of growing up. It's part of developing relationships outside of your home, but that might be a sign of never having that connection with your father in the first place. And a man can be a really good father, but his son has a wound. So he doesn't measure up. He doesn't feel that he's like his father. He doesn't feel like he's got the same calling. The enemy is at work here. Satan comes and he lies and he says, you don't fit. Your father doesn't love you. You're the black sheep of the family, whatever it is. And there can be this wound. So it doesn't have to come from an absent father or an abusive father or an unloving father. It can just come from the son's own mind. And that's the danger of isolation. My younger son, he talked about this a few years ago, how you can just get in your own head when you don't have relationship with other people. That's wise advice. We need other people to keep us level and grounded. Well, that's part of the social interaction. It could also be that the son is more like the mother you know, genetically, so, you know, maybe more passive, more gentle, not <laughs> not rough and tough, maybe like the dad, right? I mean, I've seen that happen, too. So the dad and the son are kind of on opposite ends of the uh, masculine scale. Yeah, you never know how things are going to go. And sometimes, well, you, we have a biblical example of Jacob and Esau, and Jacob connected more with his mother. I wonder sometimes... Were there any effeminate characteristics in Jacob? He seemed a pretty manly guy, but there was something in in his heart, I think, that caused a wound, and it caused him to deceive. That was his fallback. Mm -hmm. And whenever we don't have something healthy, we always cover it with something unhealthy. And nobody wants to walk around broadcasting, I have a, a wound. And what I find is especially if a man winds up in addiction or he's had a string of, of divorces or failed relationships, oftentimes the attitude is, I know I have a problem, now leave me alone. But yeah, you're not dealing with the problem. You're not owning up to what it really is. You're covering it up with all of those other things. And then the old response is, well, what do you want me to do? Just cry and and show my feelings? Yeah, sometimes that helps. (laughs) Sometimes that's the beginning. There's an interesting story with our assistant pastor, Brandon. He's been going through a group discussion with some other pastors his age and he said he came to this point in the in these sessions that have been going on for several months now. He just broke down and started crying. And he said, I didn't know this was in me, but I was really grieved over my mother and all of the situation. And when he was a older teen, she sent him to live with his dad. And then he felt like I really abandoned my mom. I wasn't there for her. We don't know what's underneath there. Like the old phrase says, know thyself. We got to be a pretty good judge and critic of who we really are. So we've talked in the past, in the last couple of episodes, about the father wound. We've talked about men, especially young men, struggle with relationships. We also talked about the loss of identity for many men. They're 
roles have changed, the culture sends messages to them that confuse, and often even more. But the culture identifies masculinity oftentimes as toxic and tries to make males more like females, offsetting that male toxicity. So why is that? I mean, is that really what we're battling here in some way? Is a culture that's trying to demasculate men? Oh yeah, absolutely. This is the whole term, toxic masculinity. It's just a made up term. And what we do in our culture is we, we like to find the most provocative way of saying things. Masculinity is not toxic when we have true masculinity. True masculinity is chivalrous. It is considerate, it's humble, it's meek. It looks out for the betterment of women. I don't even know what this whole toxic masculinity is. The, the problem is men are not masculine. They don't know how to be men. They're not thinking of other people. They're not aware of their surroundings. The, the whole term, I just reject the idea of toxic masculinity. When a man grows up in a home, like I did, and you have an abusive mother, you have a domineering mother who really controls your life, and then you have this passive man, you, you could have turned out two ways. You can turn out angry and even violent. The other way you can turn out is like I did. I became passive. I became like my father. I started to walk in his footsteps. And it's been a, a quite a journey. I'm sure it is for you too without having a father. It's been a journey even into my, now my other half of the 50s, working on myself and mm-hmm. trying to understand what is true masculinity. I, I had a habit of, you know, I always had to win. I had to win arguments and I had to, to defeat people and I saw it around in our culture. I thought, man, this cancel culture is not anything to do with Christ. And I've really been working on humility and meekness. Just, you know, they always say when you seek humility, it's when you lost it <laughs> or you try to try to figure it out. And God has a sense of humor. You ask for humility, he'll humble you pretty fast. But the whole concept of of toxic masculinity, I I just reject the whole term because the culture is saying masculinity is wrong and we shouldn't make our young men masculine. But masculinity is good. It's Mm -hmm. good for culture. It's good when a man acts like a man and does what a man is supposed to do. Well, sometimes parents today don't want their young boys or small boys playing war or play guns and things because they think that's toxic masculinity. I don't think that. I think toxic masculinity could be when a male impregnates many, many, many women in his lifetime, yet takes no responsibility for the outcome. I mean, the woman does have to bear that responsibility if she doesn't abort. And that's that's really toxic to me. And as a pastor, I know that, you know, you preach about morals and these young men have got to be respectful of the fact that they have the power to create life. <laughs> you shouldn't take that as a just a hormonal whim. It's got to be managed. Yeah, and thinking and talking about morality, why is it usually the man in the relationship that is the first one to drift off into immorality? He's the one who's supposed to be the moral compass of the relationship. He's supposed to be the moral compass of the church. Look at the passivity of men in the in the world today. We have a, a man's man, Jim Harbaugh. He's the coach of the Michigan Wolverines football team. And he says, if one of my players impregnates a girl, I'll adopt that child rather than see it aborted. He's getting 
emasculated. He's getting <laughs> attacked wow. all over the place. Mm-hmm. But that's a real man. He's a he's not afraid to take the heat. I realized that, and I'm I can probably get myself in trouble here. That there has to be strong male leadership in a church because men are the ones who are going to, and they are designed to resist this bleeding heart idea from our culture that we have to accept everybody's lifestyle and we have to accept everybody's worldview. And women are compassionate. That's how they're designed. They want to find a place for everybody. And in God's kingdom, there is no place for unrighteousness and ungodliness. And I just see all across our culture at high levels that men are being passive and they're just accepting whatever our culture brings to them. It's satanic. It really is. You see the whole transgender thing. And most men that I talk to are more opposed to that. More women are for it. More women are getting involved in it. I've heard now as high as 50, 60% of girls are now saying we're transgender. It's really lost its meaning. All it's saying now is I can just do whatever I want sexually. I say to men, like, you don't agree with this. Why are you... Why are you just allowing this to happen in your home or or your church or whatever it is? Well, you know, I don't want to... We've beaten men down, and we're the ones who are designed to be that rock of the church and of our family. You know, you said something as you began your uh, statement there that I'll probably get into trouble. Isn't that interesting that your freedom of speech and your freedom to think out loud is threatened by what the culture has already told you, that if you say these things you're going to be tagged something, right? And I mean, it just seems like it's so anti-American where you were able at one point to disagree with the cultural norms and not be tagged some idiot or moron or racist or whatever you want to call. Isn't it fascinating how we have been programmed by so many things today? It really does have a lot to do with the bend. They're just a bunch of pushovers. Mm -hmm. Whatever the wife says, I go along with them. I always say this. My wife has made 99% of the decisions in our marriage. There may be one or two times in our marriage when I've had to say, this is not the direction that God wants us to go. This is the direction that Mm -hmm. God wants us to go. Because God has made me the head. Just even saying that, it just inflames people. Well, it does. I mean, I'm sitting going, what's your email address? Because we want people... (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, To address you. But this this is God's design. I agree. God created the man to protect the woman. And we got ourselves into this whole situation in creation, the fall, because man did not protect his wife. I agree. More could be said on that, and I'm sure we'll, we'll touch base on those kinds of things as we go along. Recently, I read an article about a mental health professional who stated that every man has a wounded boy inside of him. He went on to explain that most men do not reveal who they are to anyone, not even a spouse. I thought that was interesting. My question then to you is, do you think we as men hide from ourselves and are fearful what people would think if they really knew and saw that little boy inside of us? I kind of related to what he said because there are times my wife says, you know, you're never going to grow up, are you? (laughs) And I say, no, it's the little boy in me. So there's a serious side of that as well, Pastor Walt, that there are things in us and we can call them wounds or immature or somewhere we have not maturated to a masculine point of view 
or a masculine state of mind because, as we've stated, we haven't seen it modeled. So what about that little boy? What do you think? That's frightening to men to think about that. (laughs) There's a little wounded little boy in me. And again, I go back to this nightmare of this guy. The nightmare of the man is that I'm sitting on a couch and I'm staring up at the ceiling and this guy is asking me personal questions about my life. That's man's worst fear, Mm -hmm. to, to be exposed. This is another reason why men are so reluctant to go to counseling. I don't want to talk about my feelings. And I hear that all the time. Oh, so you want to just talk about my feelings? Yeah, we want to talk about your feelings because there's some real hurts and some real wounds. And you're hurting the people around you. You're acting out. You're not acting like a man. But that the resentment of actually even talking about feelings, what is so threatening to feelings for a man? Oh, I always say the same thing that you can put a man in the army and you can train him, put a gun in his hand and say, go charge the enemy and there's a 50% chance you're not gonna come back or you're gonna be wounded and he'll do it. But ask a man to talk about his feelings and he's gonna run for the hills. I think it's part of the fall. You can see when Adam and Eve sin, they're hiding from God and we've been hiding from God ever since. There's always a reason that goes back to Genesis chapter three. You know this with me, you've done so many podcasts with me, but really it's in our DNA to run and especially to run from God. There's more women in church. Why is that? Partly because church tends to be designed more for women, but men have this idea that, oh, I don't wanna go to church because I don't wanna cry and I don't wanna be emotional and and all of those kinds of things. Those Those are very frightening to us. And nobody wants to admit they're wrong. That's a big part of life is admitting when you're wrong and your belief system isn't right. That of itself is petrifying to people that what I believe and what I put my trust in is not right. And then transfer that over into this is how I've designed my life and I've got this all of these points of protection around me because I don't want to get hurt again. Mm-hmm. That's really the issue is I don't want to get hurt again. Right. But men, one of the characteristics of a wounded man is sabotage. They sabotage themselves. It's sort of like that developer relationship with another man. And you go in with these very high expectations. And then when the other man gets close to that wound, that wounded man is going to run away. Mm. He can't receive it. The, the great hope is, and we'll talk about this in the future, that there is hope in Christ for healing, but only in Christ is their hope for healing. Well, that's what I was going to say, that Christ puts us all in the same bucket when it comes to our relationship with him. We're all sinners. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. So your wound and my wound, I mean, he already knows, right? I mean, he's already forgiven it. And sometimes, like AA says, you know, you've got to first admit that you're an alcoholic or a drug addict or whatever it is before you really can honestly get help. And sometimes we as men have to say, you know, I'm screwed up. I have bad feelings about things. I have uh, emotional hurts. I don't want to talk about my feelings, but I think you have to admit. Yeah, but I'm not screwed up, Larry. You're screwed up. <laughs> and you didn't call me back. And you didn't. Yeah. See, that's the yes. characteristic of a wounded well, man. He, right. doesn't, he doesn't want to come to that point. That's right. And he is always, the big thing that I see with, with men is just when you start getting there, they head you off at the pass right mm-hmm. away. Oh, no, no, no. You're not going to come in and you're not going to mess around with this because I'm ready to fall apart. 
And so I've got this structure. It's pretty weak, but I've got this structure to kind of hold my life together. My wife is tolerating me. Get a call on my birthday from my kids every once in a while. God doesn't want us to live like that. And there's hope in Christ to break out of that. Well, part of it is respect as well, because if I'm honest with you, somehow you're not going to respect me. Because if I share with you my inner little boy or my feelings or my wound, all of a sudden you're going to lose respect for me. You're not going to have that same kind of, I respect him, kind of attitude, right? Absolutely. And that's the, the opposite is the, is the truth, that men are looking for vulnerability. They're looking for genuine. They're looking for authentic. Sometimes men will even put themselves under a very authoritarian ruler or person in their life who just bashes them all the time that somehow in a twisted way feels comfortable because that's how my father led and they have a hard time receiving i i want to be vulnerable i want to be vulnerable in my life and i have many wonderful close friends it's taken a lot of work to get there but that's what men need and it's hitting the nail on the head it's it's frightening it's petrifying to get into that that wound that you've carried for so many years well let's end on this and i'm going to be you know, blunt and honest in this next question. How are you vulnerable? How do you make yourself vulnerable so you feel you're not losing honor or respect, but you're still allowing yourself the openness of allowing some of that wound or that little boy or whatever you want to call it in you to be known? How do you do it? Oh, I want men to know I'm human. And I'm not going to confess everything to every man, but I want men to know I make mistakes, I fail. They have to see me say, I'm sorry, ask for an apology. It's hard for everybody. It's hard for me, just the same way. I want to spend time with them alone. That's, that's important. It usually doesn't work in a group of men to get a guy to open up, but I, I develop a time of trust. And sometimes it takes a lot of time. Sometimes it doesn't happen. That's the other part. Sometimes men will never open up to you. They're going to carry that wound to the grave. I don't want them to see me as a authoritarian figure. Most of the people in my church call me Walt. They don't call me Pastor Walt. Some out of respect will call me that in public, but I'm okay with that. And I know other pastors who feel the same way. I should be vulnerable like they are. I also have the past experience that I can share with them of carrying wounds in my life and how I was healed. You know, you and I also know that most pastors, especially older pastors or people that have a little bit of experience under their belt, will never be vulnerable. They never will be vulnerable. Even when they're wrong, they will not admit it. Because again, it's that wound of if I show vulnerability, if I tell people I make mistakes or I have to repent or change directions, all of a sudden that's gonna say to a pastor, you aren't a good leader. You don't know what you're doing. Why did you lead us over here when you know God was leading us here or whatever, right? Yeah, the thing that we wind up doing as pastors, I was under a couple pastors like that. Just not vulnerable, not opening up, never sharing personal experiences. And what it did in the long run, it sabotaged what they were trying to do because nobody is perfect and you have faults. When you open up, it takes that pressure away. When you open up and then people say, yeah, I'm not good at this or I'm not good at that. You can't be perfect at everything. And, and I'm learning with a young staff more and more 
I have to say, yeah, I'm wrong about this. My assistant pastor has some good ideas. I have to take those. I can't be threatened by those if it's a better idea than I have. He's more skilled in certain things than I am, even with dealing with people. So you, you just hurt yourself in the long run. And maybe that's the reason why pastors only last three to five years because people eventually figure out, hey, this guy doesn't have all the gifts. Mm-hmm. When he would just say up front, I need help. And, and I invite you into my ministry, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to do everything myself. Well, it's that old adage, you know, you put something on a pedestal, and people want their pastor to be on the pedestal, right? They want him to be Jesus, the Apostle Paul, and who knows who else. <laughs> Roll into one, which it doesn't work. Well, Pastor Walt, we will continue to talk about the wounds in a man's life here on the podcast, but thanks for thinking out long. Our culture is confused, and that confusion is spilling over into everything today. God is never confused, and those who know Him and obey Him are never confused. Confusion is the absence of truth. But here on this program, we untangle our culture's confusion with the truth. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast today, and please let us know your thoughts on our topic. We want to hear your feedback and your concerns as you think out loud please visit us at cvcmpls.org. That's cvcmpls.org.